Where are we going? Welcome to this exclusive podcast produced by Spirit Watch Ministries that will show where life in our darkening times is now turning and how you can avoid the detours of deception through the hope of biblical truth. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 warned us over two millennia ago and how urgently we need to heed him now. Our host is Pastor Rafael Martinez, a seasoned Northwest Indiana-based minister, intercessor, and counter-cult apologist who will help you discern the journey of change we're all on as the last day of the last days now winds down. For more information, check out our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. Now. Here's Pastor Raphael. Hello, thanks once more for stopping by and for downloading our program podcast entitled Where Are We Going? I'm Raphael Martinez, a minister in the Church of God Cleveland Movement, and I am glad that you took the time to listen in. This podcast we have is one of the services of Spirit Watch Ministries. It's an outreach of discernment in our deceptive world that has been ongoing since 1993. And you can learn a lot more about us at our website, spiritwatch.org. And keep up to date using our Facebook and YouTube links there on the page as well. And while you're invited, while you're at it, uh, you can invite all your friends, uh, maybe enemies, maybe the tax collectors, that uh, anyone else, neighbors, third cousins, everyone, all points in between uh, to listen to. Uh, we, we'd love to have more audience, and we appreciate your help. So invite everybody you possibly can. Uh, uh, we've just opened up a couple of, uh, slots on, uh, both, uh, Google, Google podcasts and, um, I believe it was Amazon. So we are now featured there. And we're, as I said, if, if you're part of our new audience, we'd like to just welcome you in. And I'm, I'm so glad that you're here, uh, for that. And if, if you're a Remnant Fellowship, uh, we want to welcome you here as well. Uh, we'd love to have you just, just, uh, keep an open mind and to listen, uh, to, uh, to our, our, our podcast today. So. And as we've said, our podcast is devoted to providing biblical perspectives on the ongoing plunge of the world into the darkness of spiritual deception as foretold by Bible prophecy and the history of fallen humanity itself. Um, we spent uh, quite a bit of time this past season uh, helping bring the testimonies of those who suffered under those sort of uh, terrible spiritual conditions. And um, we've also uh, had uh, a goal of inviting those guests to our podcast as well, who we believe have something to say about that dawning topic. So uh, our guest today is a survival of the Remnant Fellowship cult that we've been contending with for the past two decades. A friend uh, we'll call Rachel Marie, unless she wanted to go uh, full tilt and identify herself fully, uh, but that's what uh, you, you've got here So uh, on your uh, on our connection. So... Um, is that how you want to go by, Rachel? That works for me. Works for you? Great. Okay. So <laughs> I appreciate your being on, on our podcast today. Thanks for, for calling up and being all coffeeed up and ready to go. Right out in bushy tail, I'm sure. So, <laughs> um, so, uh, some of what you shared about your harrowing life, uh, and that's the only way I can describe it behind what we like to call, uh, in X-Remnant circles, the Zion Curtain. Uh, is was actually featured in the Way Down documentary last fall that HBO Max uh, produced or, or, or distributed, actually. And there's two more episodes coming out uh, this week, actually, on April 28th. And uh, really, uh, the trauma and trial of a cult experience is like no other. And uh, it really is a challenge that uh, is, is that we would wish on, on no one. Uh, and Rachel, uh, to bear witness to what you've seen, what you've had to go through is an act of courage 
that's how I look at it. And truly for you and all others who've shared with us over the years, uh, it's really a labor of love for the truth about the reality of women and uh, for your own family who are still involved. And I'm, I'm sorry and I'm hoping that they're, again, listening with an open mind. So uh, uh, maybe you can kind of share with us a little bit of a little bit of background. You know, well, uh, how did you get involved and in what year and uh, and how long were you in? Well, um, I became involved in the year 2001. Um, my now ex-husband, um, we were just starting dating, and his sister invited us to go to this new church of hers. And we ended up going... <laughs> Um, it was really small. It was in someone's home. Um, and he really enjoyed it, I think, because a lot of the people there were people that he had known his whole life mm-hmm. and wanted to keep attending. I wanted to be with him, so <laughs> sure. I kept attending as well. And um, I guess the rest is history. Um, mm-hmm. But... Yeah, that was that was how I came to be involved with uh, Remnant Fellowship. Okay, so uh, you you obviously, as, as you stated, you know you wanted to be with this man you loved, and 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 you said uh, in your online testimony, which called "Bent but Not Broken." Love that title, by the way. That's a great title. I'm glad you glad you chose that. Uh, you said there that. that at first, things really didn't seem dangerous or even too really out there. So you stuck around. And uh, so uh, now this church, I assume, was not in Tennessee at, at that point. Uh, yeah. What led you guys to make the break? Uh, you know, from, uh, you know, obviously you moved and you did. You ended up, you ended up living in Tennessee. You ended up moving there. What, what, what really got you going and really, really hooked you in a way that, for him and you to actually get you there uh, from where you were living to, uh, to, to uh, Franklin, Tennessee. Yeah. So we were, um, we were in Ohio at the time mm-hmm. when we um, started with, with remnant and um, we had just had our first child. We'd gotten married within, within the church and um, his sister really just encouraged um, him to apply for a job, um, mm-hmm. it down in the Nashville area. So, um, as, <laughs> as most decisions that he made when encouraged by his sister or his mother, um, he did just as was asked and, um, applied for the job and got it. So mm-hmm. I wasn't working. I was a stay at home mom at that point. So, I didn't really have a a leg to stand on to say, no, we can't go. Or And at that point, it really didn't seem too crazy, <laughs> um, to put it. Um, right, right. So, you know, I had, I had spent a lot of my childhood in Tennessee. So I was like, okay, sure, let's, let's go. Um, and that's really just kind of how it happened. We, we moved and we ended up living with another family for several months. Um, I was home all day taking care of our son and pregnant with our second child. And 
he was off working. Okay. And as you said, it just, it just really just seemed okay at the first, you know, and everybody was, I'm sure, was very happy to see you there and help you out. And, oh, yeah. And yeah. Um, so um, at that point, like I said, it just didn't seem really to really come up on your radar. So uh, what were the moments like when when they did, when you started seeing that there are quite a few of, uh, uh, there's quite a bit under that grease paint that they smear all over themselves to make themselves look good. Uh, what, what, what's, oh, yeah. what were some of the what were some of the things that you started to see that weren't quite adding up? Yeah, so um, at the time that we moved, the now infamous church building that you can see um, on the documentary, if you drive down Franklin Road, mm-hmm. um, there in Brentwood, was being built, and so. The men were all called to come and help out the women, you know, as well. But, you know, being a stay at home mom, I did not have that, um, I guess, reprieve to go and help. But seeing it from the other side of, you know what, you're going to spend as much time as, you know, you can helping us at the building. So after my husband will get off of work, he would go pretty much straight to, help with the church building. Mm-hmm. Um, we, during this process, moved in with his sister and and her husband. Um, and just seeing the, the way that his sister was, I guess, manipulated um, mm-hmm. into doing as much as she did um, to help Gwen and to help the 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 process of building the church um, really kind of struck me. Um, she was pregnant as well at the time and had been um, instructed by her doctor to try and rest as much as possible, mm. which if, you know, if you've ever been a, <laughs> a part of Remnant Fellowship, you know is not something that you just get to do. Um, right, yeah. And she was you know, sent home by Gwen to rest. And then within, within an hour of being sent home was called back. Like it, like she had never been told to go home. It was just odd and strange to me that it, her, the health of herself and the health of her baby was not even a consideration, Yeah, you know, and she just went. And it was, you know, just seeing that and and having to experience the other side um, just really kind of struck me as, you know, the pieces weren't fitting together. Right. Um, So you started started seeing that for all of what they were saying about loving and caring for people and making sure mm-hmm. people were, 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 were in a good place and secure and everybody could do what they could when they could, that really in the end, it, there just, there just was a, a need for, uh, butts in seats and, uh, all hands on deck when it came to, uh, actually doing stuff. I mean, what really seriously, what, what were, I mean, I'm, I'm not meaning to disparage women by any stretch of the imagination, but, uh, were there actually, uh, were there women actually involved in construction projects? I mean, what were you, what were women expected to do to help build, actually literally build a church? Well, so the, the church, it's the, 
building infrastructure itself was done. Um, this was more of, you know, getting the, the inside ready, um, getting yeah. some of the, the exterior done. And a lot of the women were helping with, you know, doing whatever Gwen wanted them to do, um, whether it be wow. painting, cleaning, um, you know, things like that. But okay. um, it was all really about what Gwen wanted and doing what Gwen needed you to do. Right. And, and I saw that very early on after moving. Right. And from all accounts, everybody I've ever spoken with has, has, has really emphasized that uh, Gwen's uh, school of management was always, always uh, based out of chaos and impulsiveness. There really wasn't a lot of planning. It was just whatever needed yeah. to be done. And, and uh, regardless of whether you were qualified or not, you were stuck in the hole and expect to fill it. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you got involved really early on in the actual construction of the church and, and your husband, of course, was, was very involved. I mean, man, that's, that's the thing, you know, working eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, and then going to go spend about several hours working. That's, that's quite a bit of labor uh, that went into that. So, um, so how long, uh, so as you started seeing how chaotic and how strange it was, uh, what were some of the other kind of uh, unusual things that, you know, again, weren't adding up and weren't really, uh, uh, computing with you. I mean, that, uh, I mean, I think, like I said, you see, you mentioned manipulation and other things, but, uh, what, 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 what other things did you perhaps, uh, behold there? Well, there was just a lot of, um, you know, everyone was telling you, really, I mean, not everyone, but your, your leader, quote unquote, uh, was telling you that, um, you know, what you needed to be doing and how you should be, you know, disciplining your children and how you should be spending your money. And this, of course, was all trickling down from Gwen. Um, so shortly after um, our daughter was born, I was told that I needed to be contributing to the family and to the church and that I needed to become a part of the remnant um, home daycare um, okay. initiative that they had going on. And okay. so um, they kept it to, you know, the minimum or maximum amount of children you could have in your home to care for without having to have a license. and. Okay. Um, so I was taking care of my two children plus four others. Wow. Um, and it, and it could go up to about 12 hours a day. It was, it was yeah. long and, um, it wasn't something that I was excited about doing either. Um, prior to having my own children, I wasn't, I wasn't that babysitter type. I didn't, you know, always, you know, care for the, the little ones. So it was, it was a lot for me yeah, to, to sure. take on and to, to do for so long every day. And mm-hmm. it was just, this is what you need to do. This is your contri- contribution to the kingdom. And mm. um, in the end, it, it just, 
there were just things that that happened during all of that and just feelings and realizations that something's just it's just not right. I just had a really um what's the word just really off sense within my in my spirit that something wasn't something wasn't right. And it was just really just I can I can see from that point forward like a lot of things just questioned mm-hmm. and right. my yeah. my slow descent of of becoming an ex member of Remnant. Right. So it's really this 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 necessity that the group imposed upon you that that needed to be met and that obviously this was this is what you were there to do and it's just offer you know uh, and provide the child care while they were everybody was engaged in in this building project so uh yeah that's that's quite that's quite a uh, a demand to make on anyone you know especially a young family starting out and digging in and 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 um you mentioned the fact that you know that you know, they're you know that there was a, a twisting of truth for gain that was a common practice and i'm and and um in the midst of all of what you saw as being part of their daycare initiative uh and and again this is one of those those those, those moments you know you read would rather not you'd rather forget i'm sure but 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 which, which i think are are central to the question about remnant is the fact that they, they were so big upon preserving a public image of a church of order a church where people were 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 falling in line with in obedience to their to the authority line that they were supposedly under and 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 and, uh, and child care and child discipline uh, we're right in, in tune with that. Can you can you can you comment on that on some more on what you were seeing in that? Uh, was 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 part of that twisting of the truth? Uh, part of that because from what I gather and what I've seen and what I've known, uh, that certainly seems to be a big part of it of, of the of the remnant uh, the remnant playbook. Well, yeah, I mean everything that they do is is twisting and, and manipulation of you know essential truth that they want to take and make it their own. Right. Right. So what they were doing is basically having you uh, watch over six children. And by now, I'm sure you, you probably have, have, were getting, getting the memo, getting the agenda, um, what you should be doing when it comes to taking care of those kids. And if any of them started to misbehave, you, you know what you were supposed to be doing. And that was a, that was of course a top down thing from Gwen about how children were to be disciplined. And, uh, oh, yes. yeah, that's such a really big thing. So, um, I was just was speaking to uh, another remnant survivor the other day and they, they still have the, the tapes of, of her, of her disciplining, uh, advice, which, which has been at the heart of so much of the controversy. So, um, yeah. did you, did you, was, and how really willingly was that followed? Among, among, you know, the mothers and fathers who had to discipline, uh, to, to comply with the public image for, for obedient children. How much of that did you actually see? So I, you know, I was given authority by the parents to 
discipline these children if need be. And if they got to a point that I felt was beyond my place to, to discipline, I would call the parents and have them come talk to the child, do whatever, you know, they needed to. But I, you know, we lived in a small place and I, you know, even if they took them in the other room, I, I could hear what was going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was given the authority to, um, spank these children and to even use a wooden spoon if need be. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not ever once <laughs> do that to one of the children. Sure. Um, Sure. I just did not feel like that was my place. Right. Um, but that was a so, common thing with remnant culture, yeah. though. I mean, it, it oh, was yes. very common. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was, I was dealing with, um, two and a half, three year olds. Yeah. Right. That was the, pretty much the age range that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, my granddaughter's, my, my granddaughter's that age. She's a little bit older than that, but yeah, so, so, you know, children like that, you know, they're certainly going to be very playful and they're going to have their own way of doing things. And, and there are, and that when you're in the terrible twos, though, that, that does kind of ramp up a little bit there. So, uh, but, you know, but this was a very common thing, though, uh, in which the, in which the, the, uh, the, uh, remnants, uh, authority umbrella extended to everyone beneath it, and uh, you you just saw, uh, as I'm sure a lot of, a lot of it being modeled out before you, you know, and that's what you're 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 daily beholding. So, so um, when 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 the uh, when when the terrible instance of, of the Smith case come out, I mean, to me that was that was that practice taken to the utmost extreme, but it, it took place regardless. And, uh, was there any kind of chill, any kind of reaction among, around remnants, uh, when this took place that maybe people were thinking, well, maybe we've gone too far. Is there something else that perhaps we, we shouldn't be doing or, or was it just everybody just embracing the party line that Gwen was feeding that, that, that these people are martyrs for the truth. They're, they've, they've done no wrong. Oh, it, it, the, definitely the second thing that, you know, the martyrs, um, you know, we, we were, told that, you know, they did not beat this child. Those bruises were from, you know, the child had eczema and he just scratched too hard and it caused all those bruises on his body. And, um, you know, we, we were fed the story and basically we were not given, given an option to any other version. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was that was the truth. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was. And, and from what I understand, I, and I have it in my possession, and I don't have it right here, right, literally, but uh, I was sent a a, a, uh, a set of, of directives that uh, the remnants, some of remnants lawyers, that apparently were having circulated uh, among remnant parents about how to how to how to uh, deal with the DHS. Uh, in the Department of um, of, of Child Protective Services, when they came around, if they came to ask you, remnant, that's that's how extreme it got. It seems it seems there was so much sensitivity toward that issue, that everybody was being told exactly what to do. Oh yeah, I mean that was always how it was. People didn't know how to act if they weren't told how to act. 
right. it had gotten to such a point that um, you did what was expected of you and you, you know, held yourself the way that they wanted you to, even if that's not, if, if, even if that wasn't the truth of how you are, that's how you were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. That's it. You're just meant to be, follow that pattern, follow exactly what, what they're modeling out to before you. So, um, so what else, what else started, you know, started to really kind of rock your boat? I mean, what else was really started to really add up? I mean, I mean, those are arguments in and of themselves that are powerful enough for anyone to live, but, but you stuck around because of the family that you thought you, you, you loved that you knew you would lose if you, if you walked away, you know, so, and so, um, you mentioned things that become emotionally, mainly dangerous for anyone who questioned remnant leadership. And, um, oh, yeah. what, what were some of the, some of that you saw there that, uh, that had gone on? Yeah, I saw the turmoil that some people went through. Um, you know, just having a question about a belief or about, um, a different take on the Bible or something like that. And, it just seeing the aftermath of them posing that question, um, just, you know, yeah. you know, like, you know, how do you question, how do you question a prophetess of God? How do you, you know, how dare you do that? Yeah. And being shamed and guilted for mm-hmm. having a question. Right. And a legitimate for question. Being human. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> legitimate, just, just thinking, you know, asking, you know, and that's one of the sad things about occultic movements, you know, uh, independent thinking is like the, the second unforgivable sin. Thinking for yourself is just not allowed, you know, so. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's exactly how, how, yeah, that's, that's how it went though. So, um, so you left in 2009, uh, in March. I, I, now there were things going on. Up to that point, though, that were, of course, ramping things up. The Smith trial went down. Uh, how 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 was it explained to you guys that uh, that the Smiths were innocent? I mean, obviously, uh, they have the public persona, but at, at a congregation level, when you guys were all together, and uh, how how was the congregation taking taking the news for all that after after they were convicted of, of beating a son to death? Uh, it was. I mean, there were, there were several different, um, settings in which Gwen would speak publicly that this was, um, a misalignment of judgment, uh, justice and that they are innocent and we will continue to fight for them and we will continue to pray for them. And, you know, that's essentially because of that, that is where they started that prison ministry. Mm-hmm. And was essentially people were writing letters to the Smiths and encouragement and um and and all of that. So the the public um stance was they're innocent. Right. And we are supporting them. Right. Did anybody you know or speak with have any questions? Of course, questions that they wouldn't share, but did anyone else uh, see that as, as a travesty of justice and question that, that, that you heard of, that you knew of? Or, I mean, uh, maybe you can speak to that as well. You mean question? Questioning the, 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 the verdict, yeah. 
whether they actually had a, a any kind of dis, you know dissenting opinion to the to the to the, bo- to the body politic there. You know, everyone, not within, not within Remnant. No, yeah. I had people outside of Remnant, of course, try and yeah. talk to me about it, and of course, I had to maintain that stance because you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My my ex husband was always with me, so you know I had to maintain that. Well, no, they're innocent, and you know this is just um, yeah injustice, and you know all right. that. Right. And by then, like 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 I mentioned a moment ago, by then, even after that uh, that verdict, uh, things were already starting to get a lot more extreme uh, in Remnant in terms of of the, the curricula they were choosing to put people through. They had, you know, the way down advanced uh, had been out for a couple of years, and it turned out to be extremely polarizing and very very um, uh, counterproductive bit of curricula for Remnant to use in trying to attract people to it, since it was obviously just so uh, so negative. It was just so absolutely uh, uh, bent upon uh, uh, pushing uh, the Remnant vision and religion on people with a with a barely with any bare connections to to weight loss program as well. And she was continuing to create curricula like that that was in there. Um, can you think of anything, any of that, that, that maybe, uh, you, you've read in, in the interim time, uh, that may have helped contribute to your maybe thinking, or maybe this, maybe this isn't what it's all cracked up to be? Oh, I mean, I was thinking that the entire time. Um, <laughs> yeah. Especially in the later, the later days of me being there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the, the propaganda that, you know, she put out through those series and through her books and through the constant encouragement CDs that, you know, Mm -hmm. um, went out weekly. It was just, you know, just a lot of everything was about bringing it back to her and that our devotion should lie with her. And, a lot of that didn't sit well with me. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, her her saying that that you know that all of these you know natural disasters and um, horrible things that have that have happened in this world were caused by God because of disobedience, and mm-hmm. we. As, as a kingdom of God, as the kingdom of God, um, don't want to do anything to have those types of situations happen within remnant. That at any moment, any one of us could be the reason why the kingdom falls. Right. And being told that over and over and over again, it does lead to that sense of guilt and shame and, oh, my goodness, what am I doing? If I take this one more bite of food, everything could fall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, putting that on all of these people is just sick because God himself, you know, or, um, you know, he didn't send Christ to earth to condemn us. Right. And, you know, she's taking 
taking everything and condemning us right. and using that to control us. Mm-hmm. And that a lot of that just did not sit well with me. Yeah. And I felt just a very, um, a pull in my spirit to distance myself right. from all of that. Were you there uh, the, during the Zion camp in which there was that terrible storm and that everybody mm-hmm. was, was meant to go and pray and seek God's will? Were you, were you there when that happened? Betsy, Miles, Betsy was, Milesy was telling us that last week and sharing their, their views. Now, were, were you there in, in the same pavilion? I mean, that's, that was a, a kind of a really over-the-top kind of example of what you're talking about. Um, I believe I, you know, there's so much that I have blacked out. I, <laughs> I there, was, yeah, there was um, a year that we attended mm-hmm. um, camp, and it was right after we moved, or right before we moved. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it sounds it sounds like something that would that definitely would happen. Um, right. I don't remember the storm, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Basically, and that's just seemed to be one of her things. You know, something something she loved to do. Like you mentioned, you know, she loved to look at natural disasters or storms or or phenomenon yeah. around her and, and put some spiritual spin on it. You know, and really, really get into it. Like, like she oh, would yeah. see a cardinal flying overhead. She'd see geese flying over them over their party somehow, and she'd she'd see the hand of God as 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 some sort of way of of, of showing by nature that, that his approval was upon them. Um, she would mention uh, stuff like what she would call literally dangerous storms as, as being signs of, of the end. And then this storm thing we're talking about is one of them now. And that's one of the things that she would, again, mention over and over. Um, uh, when, when Hurricane... Um, uh, when Hurricane Katrina and Hurricane mm-hmm. Rita smashed into... Um, into New Orleans back in 2005 with such devastation. Now, you know, one of the things that we had often heard was that, that she from the pulpit, uh, continually spoke about the sin in New Orleans and how the, the, the hurricane was going to completely destroy them. Now, do you, were you there for that yeah. moment? Yes, I was. Yes, I was. And I, I do remember a lot of that. And I remember there was a woman's meeting that she began. It was just supposed to be like a social evening but she began talking and it turned into this big talk about Hurricane Katrina and New Orleans and the sin and how you know pretty much they deserved it and Mm. just a lot of it yeah just seems it just seems so I can't even think of the right word, but just wrong. How can yeah. I mean? How can you sit there and say that this storm, these people deserve it? You know, yeah. it's as if she enjoyed it almost in a way. Enjoyed being yeah. proven right that she really was a prophet of God, and that and right. that the misery of all these these poor people. That I just had their lives, lost loved ones, um, uh, had everything devastated in them, everything in their lives completely wiped out or destroyed or devastated. That that somehow that that was uh, a, a necessary, um, a necessary proof of her authority. Yes. 
Wow. And then after Rita came through, uh, we understand that, you know, Rita didn't, Rita didn't wipe out and destroy the rest of New Orleans and that uh, she ended up not preaching for the next three services. Do you remember that? I remember something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, it was a lot of, a lot of talk and then a lot of nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And no one was told where she was or anything. And, uh, <laughs> so you wonder, you know, uh, she made this prophecy how New Orleans was, she literally sounded to me that she made a prophecy. New Orleans was going to completely destroy them or be completely destroyed. And then when it didn't happen, suddenly she disappeared and then she came back and nothing was said, right? Yep. Just went on to the next, uh, the next, uh, book tour. The next, uh, <laughs> so, so, uh, when you, when that happened, uh, did, did that kind of maybe kind of crank your starter there too? Start rethinking your, your involvement there about, I mean, I mean, I mean, you already were thinking that, but did it kind of like, yeah. like build a case for you anymore? Oh, every, every day there was something that <laughs> built a case for me to leave. Yeah. Um, I was in, in that time period, um, from about 2005, 2006 on, um, I was in a place of holding in a lot, mm-hmm. um, not voicing my concerns, not okay. questioning things because I knew, I knew what would happen if I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't trust the people that I considered my friends right. to even talk about it. Yeah. And so I held in so much and just carried that weight of these questions for so long. Um, eventually I did just end up breaking and that's, that's where, um, my right. exit story began. Right. So in the, in that terrible process of, of, of being broken, by all of this and, and finding yourself in an absolutely intolerable situation that, that hey, anybody would certainly find uh just un- unbelievable uh in the midst of all that um how are things going uh with uh i think f- f- from that point on you know uh I guess my question was, what did you see start going on in Remnant after that? I, there was a lot going on that, that, that's to me showed where they were going. They were already obviously involved in it, the leadership of Remnant in such a way where they're enriching themselves in so many ways. And we had so much come out and we've so much we learned about Michael Shamblin's infidelity in, in, in his, and, and that, that of others, uh, within Remnant, but primarily, uh, Michael, and that seemed to be, a, a one of the things that was, a a, a, a well-known and well-kept secret. Uh, it probably wasn't so much a secret, it just wasn't talked about, right? Yeah. No, I didn't learn about a lot of that until after I left. Um, right. and others started reaching out to me because of my, my bravery and my courage of leaving and, um, you know, they, then, you know, those things were being brought to light to me. Um, so I wasn't aware of those before, Mm -hmm. um, I I left remnant. I think you left right before the big purge. I think uh, in 2009 in which leaders left, in which there was a quite a bit of, there was a big row 
And, uh, maybe I'll, I, I'm hoping to maybe discuss that later future, but there was a, there was a huge leadership purge mm-hmm. in which several leaders actually left because of, of these issues and because of, yeah. of these sort of, uh, of things going on. But, uh, so what was the straw that finally made you break? You said you broke. And what was it that, yeah. what was the point in which you felt like, okay, it's, it's time to go? What, what was it, what was that exit like for you? For me, um, the, I was, it was a daily contemplation for me of, Mm -hmm. can I leave? Can I, can I go? What will happen, you know, with my children? Um, because at this point we had had another, so we'd had, we had three kids and I was so afraid of losing them for so long that I, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I just, stayed and, and held everything inside. But I got to a point, I was like, if I don't make a decision, I am going to completely lose myself, yeah. the person that God made me to be. I will be lost. Mm-hmm. And I felt that leading um, and through random outside people, was shown that you have to leave. You have to get out of here. Um, you know, God was saying, I have bigger plans for you. Mm -hmm. And if you stay, they're going to be lost. And I made that choice. I looked to other women who had chosen to leave. Um, and look to, you know, what did they do? Mm-hmm. What, what did, you know, what steps did they take? What scenario got them out of here? And each time it was, you know, they, they had strayed in their marriage okay. and they chose to leave. I, you know, when questioned, when I said I want out, when I said I want to leave, when questioned by, you know, my now ex-husband and his sister, you know, is there someone else? Is there someone else? Is there someone else? And I was like, yes. And from that, from that moment of, of playing, playing the game, Mm -hmm. I didn't look back. Right. I, you know, I, was like, I'm, I'm done. I got pulled in for counseling, of course, um, locked in a room with leaders and I knew that I needed to say what they, what they needed me to say. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't, I knew it would continue. And I knew that the life that I would have if I stayed was just going to be complete and utter turmoil. Well, I was going to ask, uh, you made a very, a very piteous observation, which is sad. And and, and, and it's really, it, it makes my heart heavy for you and others there is that whatever marital, ties and bonds and love you had with your husband were, were, were just completely consumed 
uh, uh, burnt up, shattered by the dynamic of life and remnant and having to comply and be a, be a robot basically. So mm-hmm. your relationship really suffered to that point where you, you couldn't, you couldn't suffer. You couldn't allow, uh, like you said, any further, uh, any further time there. You had to get out as soon as you could. And, and that really, it's, it saddens me because I think of so many marriages that, that were, you know, going all right, doing well, and there was love, and there was care, and there was concern that were destroyed by the, by the yes. impact of that. And, and, and I'm sorry, I, I, I know I've known of this, but I'm, I'm, it just, it just strikes me every time, you know, when I, when you hear about a group that's supposed to be healing marriages and bringing them together, and yet do just the opposite by the way they, they chose to channel it. And, uh, and uh, you were having to make some very tough decisions, mainly ones of self-preservation. Uh, and, and, and of course, turning in the only direction you could towards your own children. Yeah. Um, exactly. Um, you know, there was so much love between him and I before, before the introduction of remnant into yeah. our relationship. And yeah. then, you know, to be married within remnant, just, there were so many things that, you know, so many, they, they got their grasp on yeah. us mm-hmm. and on our relationship. And yeah. The pivotal moment for us was the move, leaving Ohio and moving. And from that point forward, it wasn't he and I anymore. It wasn't a marriage. It was a puppet show, really. Mm. Yeah. It was more of a relationship by committee. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Because you were there constantly having to report to the leaders about what you were doing and, 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 and intimate details, what you're doing. Are you in sin? Are you doing this? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, there's nothing in, in scripture. There's nothing about Christian faith that calls anybody to, to that kind of thing, you know, and that's, that's terrible. That's, that's horrible, but, but it's unfortunately the norm that's glossed over in remnant, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's the sort of thing that contributes to the creation of, of the Beulah women that who were who were also having to be basically become a, a, an inner fan club for 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 Gwen, who were there to help help keep her own to, to cheer her up, make her feel like that what she was doing and manipulating lives was actually the right thing for everybody to do. My goodness, that's so sad. Yeah, it, it it is. It really is. Because, uh, like I said, I've I've spoken to quite a few people and quite a few men and women whose marriages were destroyed, and they've that's one of the things they point to is that you know they loved who they did. You know, I I know I've spoke to one man who who was in, got into a child custody battle, and um, I I I mean I I was it's just heart wrenching to to commiserate with a man who's who loves his wife, who has children and wants to, wants to spread, but, but, but who simply cannot find Gwen Chamberlain's influence, uh, something he could fight. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so when you were in that counseling session, when they were talking to you and you, you mentioned that you said what needed to be said 
and that was that, that you needed to – were you at that point trying to buy time and just say, oh, we're, we're going to work these hours, or did you already tell them, no, we're, we're, I'm, I'm leaving? What, 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 was, what were you aware on that? Oh, uh, it was totally, um, you know, all I was wrong and, oh, yes, we're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to get through this. Right. And, um, just so I could get out of that room. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and start creating and keep me working on your, your exit plan. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, honestly, it was within, um, within a week following that day that, um, I I finally made the choice and then I finally did leave. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. And from that point on, that's when um, I guess the real bite started settling when you got into the the child custody battle. And Absolutely. Yeah. So, and I, I don't want to play on that anymore because I know it's a, it's a deeply personal thing. I don't want to get into it, but you know I understand that he did successfully sue and get. I think full custody of your children and, uh, and that you've been fighting, uh, to stay in touch with them ever since. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of circumstances surrounding that, that there's a lot in question. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I do fight to stay in my kids' lives and, um, they're, they are the loves of my life. Um, and, and even though they, they are being, you know, told in, within their own home that I'm not a, you know, I'm not a good mom. I don't want them. I don't love them. Um, it's completely untrue. Mm-hmm. Um, I love them more than anything. And even not being able to be near them. Um, I'm always with them and my prayers are always with them. And I, um, I always love them deeply. Um, and I hope one day that they understand, um, that the circumstances that have had to happen, um, between their father and I and why I'm not close by, um, Mm -hmm. wasn't because of them. Yeah. Right. It was one hundred percent because of remnant. Right. Exactly. So there, but there, but from uh, from the way places like remnant work, though, the message is again top down. Well, your 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 mom's not here because you know she's she's a spiritual failure. She believes Satan. She went into the world, and uh, you just need to understand your real family's with us. Uh, that's the sort of thing that a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of these young kids hear and, and get. I know one family, which, uh, there was a family that, um, I was helping to counsel that there was a woman or a woman who contacted me about, uh, her, her child, uh, being involved with remnant and that, uh, that, that she had found that there was a picture, uh, that was on the wall. Uh, of this child with Gwen that had replaced her picture that they had. I mean, that's about as, as cold blooded as it gets when somebody walks in and just tries to replace you who has no business being there. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So, 
So you left in 2009. It's 2019. So about ten years later, you know, you you know, you've you've you've, you've come along. So what's what's life been like for you since then? I mean, no, it certainly had been an excruciating thing to deal with. But uh, what's it been like since then? How how, how have you uh, come through things and 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 managed to uh, you know get uh, equilibrium, uh, so to speak, in your life? Yeah. Um... So after leaving, it was basically starting my life over again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, new friends. Uh, of course, I had to find a new place to live. Um, but the constant in, in all of it was um, my mother. Uh, she had prayed for me the entire time that I was in Remnant, um, that both myself and my ex-husband would, would leave. Nice. Um, nice. And she, she got half, half of the prayer answered. So um, with, with myself, but she was my biggest cheerleader and comforter through all of it. Um, nice. She allowed me to talk about things and, cry about things and she was there for me and that was the biggest the biggest help mm-hmm. that and and the, the biggest um resource for me especially in those those few years following um exit mm-hmm. she was with me through the the divorce trial and custody battle and um she she stood by me um through all of that and you know that was a big thing um other things you know life has gone up and down but that's the way life is and you know it's not always sunshine and roses that you know remnant once portrayed that everything is always awesome and amazing and you know, there are real things that happen in life. And right. um, it's not lost on me that the the trials um, are a, a gift from God to to make me stronger and to build and strengthen that relationship with him. Mm-hmm. I'm I I totally see every negative thing that has happened, you know, in my 13 years after having left there that, you know, I'm a stronger person. I have a fight in me that I didn't have, at least I couldn't see it before, Mm -hmm. that, you know, fighting for injustice and for those who can't fight for themselves right. or they're too scared to fight for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm definitely a better person <laughs> outside of remnant and I'm not going to discount the time that I was, that I was there and right. say it was a wasted time. It was definitely misused time, but I did learn from that mistake. And I did learn from the hardships that they put me through, the shame, the guilt, um, 
that that is just not how God intended it to be. Right. Right. He didn't intend for us to live scared. Right. Yes. He intended us to live for him and to communicate and commune with him on a daily basis. Right. And not to be afraid of him. He is a loving God. Right. And, you know, I, I've definitely grown Uh in these last 13 years that into, to being someone that, if you don't mind me saying is, you know, kind of a badass and <laughs> I definitely have more faith and fear now than, than understood totally any Not, other time in my life. Right. So, right. Yeah. Well, you, you, you've had to go toe to toe out of necessity and not a choice. No, no one ever wants to get into a fight, you know, uh, they, cause they yeah. never know what's going to happen. It's like, it's like uh, Mike Tyson once said, you know, everybody has a plan in a fight until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and, and, you know, Mike Dicey, you know, he's been in the news lately about doing some, doing his own crazy stuff, but, but he's, he's right on that. Everybody seems to know what yeah. they're going to do until they get hit. And it's through that, like you said, that we, we get that, that, that perspective. It's that's so important to help people, like you said, really grow. And, 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 yeah. and you, you, you can take it as something that will keep you bound the rest of your life in fear. Like you said, and, uh, or you can take it as a, as a moment of, of crisis that can become a moment of opportunity, you know, and, uh, so that, that's why I wrote, that's funny you mentioned, that's why I wrote that article about, uh, fear of Christianity. And, and I, and I make the same observations. People in Remnant Fellowship look so good. They look so on. They look so together. But they are really some of the most fearful people I've ever seen. They're they're afraid to trust others. They're afraid of their leaders. They're afraid of of their weight. They're so much, so much fear, like you said. Um, And so in in the last few moments we have here uh, before we uh, get ready to close and bring our ship down uh, to land, is there anything you'd like? Maybe, maybe there's some some of the maybe loose ends, or maybe something that about the uh, the documentary, perhaps that that you maybe mentioned, or or the subject matter that came up that maybe you'd like to speak to. Uh, something that may come may have come to mind there. Um, you know, a lot of what I talked about when I was interviewed for the documentary actually did kind of make its way into it, but. Um, and I know there's going to be more uh, that's, that's going to be in this these next two episodes. But um, I guess just uh, honestly, uh, everything that I conveyed and the spirit in which I conveyed it to production um, that came through. Mm-hmm. Good. In, in the interviews that I did with them, so. I don't feel like I have any loose ends on that, but um, if there's anything else you want me to talk about, <laughs> no, no, that, no, no. It, it's, I'm just, no, I just mentioned that. You know, I mentioned to people, uh, I'm, you know, because because in the in the document we're coming, we're going to be bringing out on on Xenos, 
the the cult that I, that we are now doing a lot of more work with. Uh, there's 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 people that I'll be interviewing or talking to. And I'm sure that we'll we'll have those things because there is so much said that uh, we we hope makes it to uh, the editing the editing side of things that uh, that I will be answering that question. But yeah, you know, I I didn't know how it went with you. I did not. I just was was curious of you anything like that. So uh, I imagine if I ask somebody like Gina Wilson or or Terry Phillips or somebody else or Tara C or anyone else, uh, I'm sure they may have things. But um, yeah. But I just wanted to ask, give you a chance, and uh, see if there's anything else you wanted to say to that because uh, it just seemed that uh, it, they did a great job. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm not saying they did anything you know wrong. I'm just saying that that, that there may have been some things you may have wanted to speak to. So. Um, I feel like I've said all I can say, and, uh, and yeah. uh, that not much more I really can say about Remnant other than that, uh, you know, it's really in, on the ropes. I did a podcast a few weeks ago discussing that and and seeing there's there's three different ways they can probably go. I won't belabor the point here, but if anybody wants to go back and listen to it, they can, they can hear where yeah. I think Remnant's going. Uh, so, well, in closing, Rachel, uh, is there anything you'd like to say to any of our any of your Remnant brethren? Who might be listening in? Uh, maybe some, maybe some, something you'd like a message you'd like to leave back with them. Something you'd like to say. I, I, I asked Mina Munoz to to do that, and uh, she she took her liberty, and you don't have to as well. But uh, uh, if there's maybe there are remnant people listening, what would you like to say? What would you like them to hear and remember about what you said or what's going on? What would you like them to uh, to come away with from this from this uh, podcast? Yeah, that you know. It's- the life that that Gwen, you know, made you believe is the only life that you can live is it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. It's a it's a facade. Um, there is so much more joy, true, honest joy and love beyond those walls. Hmm that the relationship that you you could have with God would trump far beyond any relationship you had with Gwen. That's your message and you're sticking to it. And I'm glad yeah. you have, Rachel. It's been it's been a pleasure getting to know you over the years and I I, I really have uh, treasured, uh, every time we've had a chance to meet. You're, you're a wonderful person. You got a can-do spirit about you. And, and there's, you're definitely right. Uh, there, there is a dragon's worth of, 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 uh, struggle you've been, you've been battling. Uh, but I, I don't see you backing down one bit. And I'm, I am just, just, uh, honored. Uh, I'm honored that, uh, you're out there slaying dragons, fighting dragons for your children. And that, uh, by the grace of God, you're going to see them all come down. I, I really, we've been praying for you and, and we're so glad that uh, you've, you've shared that with us today. And I want to thank you for doing that and, uh, so much. And, uh, uh, once again, thanks for coming on to, uh, to the podcast today. And maybe we'll see you have, maybe later down the line, we'll, we'll see you again. All right. All righty. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening today as we explore just where are we going. Our prayer is that you have been encouraged and strengthened and, if necessary, challenged in your daily journey through life. Jesus is coming. You can fall with the night or you can rise with the sun. The choice is yours. You can email us with questions and comments at feedback at spiritwatch.org. And if you need urgent personal spiritual help, 
email us at help at spiritwatch.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Please follow our podcasting at our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. This podcast is a production of Spirit Watch Ministries, taking heed that no man deceives you. 